Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. Welcome to a new episode of DNVGL Talks Energy here from the Global Smart Energy Summit in Dubai. My guest today is Graham Sims, the Executive Director of Dubai's Electricity and Water Regulator, RSB. Welcome, Graham. Thank you very much for having me. Graham, today we want to talk about the transformation of the energy sector in Dubai. But before we get to this, it would be great if you could introduce yourself as a person as well as RSB. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm a UK citizen. Um, for my sins, I've been working in the regulation of utilities for over 25 years now. Um, I joined Britain's electricity regulator back in the early 90s, pretty much at the ground floor of the privatization of the electricity supply industry in, in Britain, um, which gave me, I think, a fantastic exposure to you know, the range of issues associated with privatizing, deregulating, introducing competition into power systems. Um, and after doing that for a few years, um, I moved to Abu Dhabi in the late 90s where Abu Dhabi was going through its own restructuring and privatization initiative. Um, I was there for a few years, established Abu Dhabi's regulatory body, went back to the UK for a bit over a decade to work for a utility company. And I came back out to the UAE about six years ago, and I've been working in the regulatory body here in Dubai ever since then. Thank you. And could you explain a little bit what RSB? Yeah, so sorry. RSB is Regulatory and Supervisory Bureau, which is why we abbreviate it to RSB all the time. Right. Okay. Well, um, you just mentioned you have some history here in the region. Um, can you look back a bit at the time you arrived here first? Yeah. What has happened until now and is leading up to the transformation we will see in the future? Sure. Uh, well, well, Abu Dhabi was, I think, very progressive. In the late 90s, there were no independent power projects in, in this part of the world. Um, so Abu Dhabi introduced the first IWPP, as that was a combined power generation and desalination plant. It completely restructured um, its existing electricity industry, separating it both vertically and horizontally, uh, introduced uh, you know, an independent regulatory body. And I guess at that time, the drivers were very much around improving efficiency, dealing with extremely high rates of de demand growth. You know, you'd seen double-digit demand growth in, in Abu Dhabi in the run-up to the, to the late 90s, um, coming at increasing cost. Um, I guess what's changed since then is the focus on environmental issues has become so much more prominent. Um, when I first started working as a regulator, people worried a little bit about energy efficiency, but it, it had nothing like the prominence it does now. And, and certainly and, you know, back in the 90s, no one was particularly thinking in this part of the world about a role that you know, renewables might, might play. Uh, so the last six years here in Dubai have been, been very different. Uh, there's far more focus on energy efficiency than there was, and renewables are you know, assuming an increasing importance in the, you know, the power supply mix of today and you know, of the coming decades. Right. You mentioned the rapid growth. Uh, if you talk about a regulator, sometimes the perception might be that that is rather slowing things down. <laughs> uh, but from your experience, so how uh, did you as a regulator or RSB as a regulator uh, manage to support this growth? Well, the growth, I mean, the growth was simply social and economic development of the country. Um, the power supply system was growing with increased population, increased economic activity. It certainly wasn't the job of the regulator to in any, in any way inhibit that, but rather to make sure that, you know, uh, that the, the system grew 
in a, in a sensible way, um, that there were decent estimates made of demand growth, challenging when demand growth is very high, um, that costs were kept, were kept under control, um, and that service wasn't lost sight of in, in all of that as well, um, given the, you know, the pressures that were bound to be on the utilities simply to deliver, uh, deliver the power requirements. Right, I mean, this area or this region is certainly a little bit specific with mm. its features, yeah. but nevertheless, um, we see mega trends like urbanization. We will see that uh, cities get more and more people coming. Yeah. Um, so other cities uh, will face probably similar challenges, maybe mm. not in the same time span, but are there any specific learning experience you can share for others? Uh, I, think th I think there are some. Um, I mean, one, one interesting feature of Dubai and, and in fact Abu Dhabi is the extent to which they've introduced district cooling schemes um, into the urban environment. So much of Europe has got large-scale district heating schemes, which you know, I think in many cases very old. Um, but Dubai and Abu Dhabi recognized quite early on um, that there was some value to having large-scale centralized cooling systems. So uh, you know, the, center of, the center of Dubai, the downtown Dubai, is all supplied by a large-scale plant with a piped you know, network of uh, chilled, chilled water pipes connecting buildings. And that's been, um, that's been very successful here. So it's a, it has something of the order of 20% of all cooling in Dubai is supplied in that way. Mm -hmm. um, I think in other respects, um, what has happened here recently, the way in renewables have been introduced, I think has been you know, particularly well thought through. So there's been competitive pressure brought to bear all the time on renewable costs. So Dubai did not adopt a feed-in tariff where the government attempted to guess what was a sensible price for renewables. Um, instead, it went down the route of competitively tendering. And each competition that Dubai has run in for large-scale renewables has delivered what at the time has been seen as a global leading benchmark price, yeah. uh, one after the other. Yeah, so th that's an interesting point also because it means there's uh, transformation required also on the utility side. Yeah. Um, so we see, of course, more and more integration of renewables into the grid worldwide. Uh, we also see that more local production and local consumption is coming. Um, so that has an impact on the grid. How are the utilities here dealing with this? Well, the, I think as, uh, because there hasn't been um, the same subsidy approach to renewables, we haven't seen quite the same very rapid uptake of renewables, particularly in terms of distributed generation, as you've seen in parts of, you know, parts of Europe, Germany, perhaps most notably. Um, with solar, so it's a it's a it's probably a rather more measured approach, um, and as a result, I think Dubai is having the opportunity to work out just how best to manage those challenges. Uh, only recently has it uh, awarded its first combined solar power project, uh, and that project is intended not to generate during the sun sunshine hours, but to generate outside of the sunshine hours by storing storing its energy. Right. Uh, there's the development underway um, of a pump storage scheme. Um, up towards the, the border with Oman, mm -hmm. um, which again will be a way of potentially storing surplus, surplus PV power during the day for use, uh, for use at night. Uh, there is a rooftop solar scheme, um, but that's very much being driven by the economics of rooftop solar versus um, power prices here. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think there's, there's, there's been an approach of working out the likely solutions, but not, not fortunately being faced with having to chase the issue and suddenly find one, oneself with a, you know, a grid which has been overwhelmed by renewables and creating problems. Mm -hmm. I think we can instead anticipate the sorts of issues which are likely to arise and to some extent learn from the experience of others in, in Europe and elsewhere. Right. 
Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, more and more data being available mm. in, in the energy sector. Um, what do you think uh, are the advancements or what are the advancements actually in this region to make more use of data going towards a more interactive use yeah. maybe with, with the user as the load, sure. the generator, are there any um, yeah, there's, th there's some steps in that direction. Um, Diwa, the, which is a, the power supply and uh, water supply company for, for Dubai, um, is starting to develop benchmarks, um, sort of neighborhood type benchmarks, and intends in, in time to give people information on their bills about how their consumption compares to uh, you know, consumptions of, consumption of their neighbors. Um, that's an approach which it seems has been quite effective actually in stimulating activity because people are naturally competitive and yeah. don't like the idea that their neighbour is being more efficient than they are. Um, so that's been shown to work. Um, we already get quite good information. Meters are read routinely every month here uh, and you, get, you can easily find information on your consumption month by month for the past few years. So you can track your own consumption. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess this will be a further step to start to say, well, how does that compare to, you know, to others occupying similar sized similar sized properties. Uh, there's a smart meter rollout program and uh, you know, over, over time the utilities will acquire far more information themselves and I know they're looking at how they might use machine learning, artificial intelligence, techniques like that which are you know, capable of being applied to the potentially vast amounts of data that systems, smart systems will start to generate. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the rapid growth in the past, mm -hmm. we talk about all these exciting things, renewables, digital. Um, if you would look out for the next one or two decades, mm. what are the big projects now for Dubai or for the region uh, to adopt? Uh, well, I think, I think the, trend, the trend here, um, certainly in this part of the world, will be to even greater electrification of the economy, if you like. I mean, we have a, a much more of an electric, electrified economy already um, because it's a cooling-driven economy rather than a heating-driven economy. Um, but we still have road transportation which is dependent on fossil fuels it seems very likely we'll go down the route of you know, electric vehicles um, almost certainly the predominant source of energy will be solar in this part of the world there isn't you know there aren't equivalently uh, good wind resources or other other forms of renewables and um, so that that seems to me for this part of the world at least a fairly clear trend I mean I think other other parts of the world may end up with slightly different variance on that depending on the nature of you know um, the nature of electricity or energy demand mm -hmm. um, so the UK for instance may not go fully electric um, because of the sort of space heating requirements and the existence of a gas network and so on so I don't think the model here will work for everywhere mm -hmm. but I think for perhaps for sunny countries you know, with, the, with the high cooling load um, you can see that the way Dubai is going is probably going to be mimicked in much of the rest of the world in the next few decades. Yes it's interesting that there's quite a shift, a radical shift in the energy sources. I mean, this region was very much known for oil. Yeah. Um, how do you see uh, this balancing out? Uh, well, it's, it's a balance. I mean, the, the economies of the region of the entire Gulf Cooperation Council are still very dependent upon fossil fuels for government revenues, for overseas, overseas revenues. Um, I guess what one has, they, and we have to hope for is, you know, a, a sensible transition away from those I think the, the government here is very conscious that there is going to be such a thing as life after oil and is very keen to make the, to make the point to the local populace that we have, they have to be ready for a life after oil, which means you know, making your way in the world in a rather different way. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then actually, 
you know, I'd, I'd say the UAE in particular has been a particularly enthusiastic ad adopter of these these new te technologies. Whilst you know, for so long as oil and is being used in the world and probably will be in significant quantities for a few more decades, then I think they have the opportunity you know, to make that transition and for that transition to be financed from, you know, from those resources. Graham, since we are here at the Global Smart Energy Summit in Dubai, I also would like to take the opportunity to ask you what you think the main themes here are and what you hope to take away from this event. Um, I'm expecting a couple of main themes. One, I think, is the focus on the growth of renewables in, in the region, which has been very strong here in the UAE, but we're starting to see big moves in Saudi in particular, which is a, a vast market. Uh, and the other issue, um, I'll be speaking on a panel later about subsidy reform, a topic which I've spoken on about probably every year for the last six years that I've been here, but it's probably only really taken hold um, in the last few years, and we're now seeing very positive moves across the whole of the GCC, to remove the distortions that have been long been present in, in energy, you know, in energy prices, and have led to you know, made it very difficult to promote energy efficiency, made it very difficult for unconventional technologies to compete with the conventional technologies. Graham, thank you. It was a pleasure having you here. Um, thank, you. thank you also to the listeners. That was Graham Sims, Executive Director of Dubai's Electricity and Water Regulator RSB. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com slash talksenergy.